This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Good morning and good evening to Tuesday. Oops, good morning here, good evening, and good early Thursday morning. Those amazing Thursday morning ladies, God bless you. Crazy. Um, Well, full disclosure, I wasn't sure we were going to meet today, and so I am not as prepared as I normally would be, and I went to bed praying for snow and a late start. (laughs) So just so you know, that's where my brain was (laughs) yesterday. Um, We've come to the end of our winter study And as we we finish, I want to share a few final thoughts, and then we're going to break into small groups. I'm going to give a short message, and then we're going to break into small groups. And what I really want you to do is spend time sharing um, what you, hopefully each of you received a handout last week, or your small group leader emailed it, but the yellow handout that we gave last week. We want you to go through that with your small groups and share and reflect what God has been speaking to you through this study. Um, I want to start with a short story about what I've been up to lately. My husband and I, our three boys, have joined the ski team this year for the first time. And so what that has meant is for the last eight weeks, we have been up at the ski hill up at Mount Hood every single weekend, every Friday and Saturday night, or Friday night and Saturday all day, and skiing and watching our boys race. And what's so funny is I'm not in shape, and so this has been a exhausting thing for me to do physically but good and I love it but my husband he's kind of a tech guy he's a nerd he's an engineer love him but that's how he's wired and so as we're skiing this year he has downloaded a new app and so as we're skiing the whole time that we're skiing he is constantly looking at his app while we're on the chairlift And he's telling me how many vertical feet we have skied, how many runs we have done, temperature, amount of snow, all these details. And I look at him and I go, I don't care. (laughs) I really don't care. And he goes, isn't it cool that you could know how many vertical feet you've skied today? And I'm like, no, it doesn't do anything for me. And... And thinking about it, it's like I just love to be up there just to look at the mountains. I mean, the snow-covered mountains are incredible. If you ski or if you've ever been up there during the wintertime, it is so lovely to ride the chairlift, and you're up in the treetops, just up there with these snow-covered trees, and it's just this peaceful, beautiful silence that you don't find anywhere else, or that I don't find anywhere else, being a mom of three boys. And... I just love that serenity of it. I love the time on the chairlift because my kids, besides my husband, my kids or whoever I'm riding with, they don't have their phone because if they drop their phone, it's gone. It's going to be 50 feet below them in the snowbank. And so people aren't plugged in. They're just willing to talk on the chairlift. It's relational. It's peaceful. And I get to just experience God's glory and enjoy the beauty of the wonder and beauty of his creation. 
So for me and my husband, we come at it totally different. For him, it's this thing that he measures and enjoys because he can measure it. But for me, it's this thing that I enjoy just because it's a place to relax and to look at the beauty and to talk to people and get to hear their stories and to talk to my kids on the chairlift and hear what they're up to and what's on their mind and their heart. So often in our world, we tend to value only what is measurable and that's, as my husband's doing this, I love, I mean, I love that he's a tech nerd, but it's so annoying because the other thing that he'll tell me is the price. And if you guys have gone skiing, you know that lift tickets are ridiculous nowadays. And so he likes to tell me what cost per run we are at. <laughs> he's a finance guy, too. And that is the last thing I want to hear. Because <laughs> some days I may be at 30 bucks a run. I mean... <laughs> And I don't want to get down to two bucks a run. But we tend to measure everything. We tend to measure our productivity. We tend to measure our salaries. We tend to measure our weight loss. We measure our income. And all these measurements just um, cause us to just keep going and going on this never-ending treadmill. It drives us to work harder, to be more efficient, to increase our productivity, to fill our time more, to get more apps on our phone so we can see how good we are doing, um, to finish our to-do lists, to check off our to-do lists, to join clubs, to join weight loss programs, to hop on a new diet plan, to you just name it, the options are endless and we are just inundated constantly. But these last eight weeks, as we've been talking about discerning God's voice, we've been talking a lot about what it means, really, to be in relationship with God, what it means to listen, to hang out with God, to enjoy his presence, to get to know him. Think of someone in your life who is a good friend that you've had over the years, and think of the qualities of that person. I'm guessing you would say that that friend is a good listener. I'm guessing you would say that you know that friend well, and that friend knows you, that you've shared some very intimate experiences, both hard times and good times, sorrow and laughter. I'm guessing that friend is trustworthy, that you can tell that friend anything, and they will keep it confidential and not betray your trust. I'm guessing that friend is caring and that that friend knows your heart and even when you're having a bad day or saying the wrong things, that that friend knows your heart and sees the beauty in you. What God is offering us is relationship. He's offering us friendship. He's offering us a relationship with him, the God of the universe, a relationship with him to know him intimately, to walk with him, to talk with him, to listen to his voice, and for him to listen to ours. It's not just knowledge that we're seeking in our relationship with God. It's intimate. It's life-giving. It's pretty phenomenal when you think about it that the creator of the universe wants to be intimate with each one of us. He wants to know us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to us to enjoy life together. He wants us to sit on that chairlift and look at the marvel of his creation. He wants us to laugh about the jokes that we, the jokes that we hear with our kids. 
He chuckles with us. He delights in our stories. Or he sees us when we're wounded, when we're broken, when we're hurting. And he sees the beauty in us, despite what we feel that we're just broken and and not able to be used. You see, relationship requires intimacy. And intimacy occurs through knowing and knowing someone um, results out of listening to someone, listening to their story, getting to know their voice. As Mary said, I love how she said her mom could recognize her in her pictures when she was little, her and her twin Linda. Her mom can tell the difference because Mary is Mary-ish. That's a new adjective. I love it. That's how it is with God. We can know his voice because he's Godish, and he knows us intimately. So as we close this study, I want to ask you a few questions. I want to ask you, will you commit to spending time with God? Not measurable time, but time just enjoying his presence. Will you intentionally make more space for him? Will you shut down some of the outside noises in your life, some of the demands? Will you say no to extra activities just to create that space to hang out with him, that relational space? Will you trust his heart and follow him in all his ways? Do you know that his heart is good? The study reminded us that he is the master architect, that he has plans for us, He knows us intimately. He knows what's best. He's not surprised by our stories. Do you trust his heart even when it looks desperate and dark in the days ahead or when things aren't turning out how you thought they would be? These are important questions we need to ask ourselves as we close the study. As I mentioned, last week we asked you to look through the handout that was basically a reflection on where we've been the past eight weeks. And one of the first questions um, was, why does obedience matter? And again, we go back to that that posture. Uh, Last week I was asked, as we're coming to the close of the ski season, last week I was asked by the team parent if I would consider being the team parent for next year because her son is a senior and so she's going off. And my normal, just so you guys know, my normal um, go-to, I'm impulsive and I'm a yes person and I'm a people pleaser. Not a good combination when someone asks me to do something because my instinct is to say, oh yes, I'll do it, I'll do it, without thinking. And through this study, God has said, would you slow down and would you come to me before you answer? And would you wait? I'm like, oh gosh, no. <laughs> but I, I said, I will think about it. I'll pray about it. And I said, and how about we have a meeting and you tell me what it entails? And so last week, I met with the team mom and she shared with me all that it entailed. And I realized this is not an area that is my strength. It's a lot of organizational. It's... Um, making sure forms are filled out. It's not highly relational. I was thinking it was going to be highly relational. And it's a lot of administrative paperwork, which my husband would excel at. <laughs> and I, I was just like, nah. and And so I went away from that. And still, though, I wanted to please. 
I wanted to say yes because I love the coaches, I love the families that are involved with the ski program. I think the world of them. So I want to serve, I want to help. And so I was really torn. It's like, do I say yes or do I, or not? And I couldn't hear God. And the reason I couldn't hear God was there was so much noise of my own stuff, my people-pleasing, my impulsiveness, my desire to be part of something. And he kept saying, wait, wait, pray. So I prayed a few more days on it. And then I woke up one morning, and I, th- and I was looking back through our study, and the question of, why does obedience matter? And the reason obedience matters is God wasn't going to give me an answer until I was willing to say that I would listen to his answer. Because honestly, if he would have said no, I would have said, oh, whatever. I would have thought my way was the better way. But I realized before, when I was talking to him about this, is he wants me to be willing to hold that up and say, and take it. And if he said yes, to go with him and trust him to provide. And if he said no, to let it go and be brave enough to say no, which is a scary thing for me. I know that sounds strange, but it is. And so once I surrendered my will to him, then I received the answer. He didn't reveal what he wanted me to do until I was willing to be obedient, whether it was a yes or a no. That's why obedience matters. We can hear when we're ready to hand it before him and say, Lord, whatever you say, I will follow. The second thing we talked about on this handout or we pointed to is just reminding you that hearing God, like everything else, take, everything else it takes practice and it requires a trained ear. And I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes. And we... And we ask you to look at what struggles and barriers you are having to hearing God. I just shared one for me as I looked back over past lessons. But I know for a lot of us, as we talked about, it can be busyness. It can be the demands of life. It can be the measurement of life, the striving, the making space for God. And then the last two questions, which I really encourage you to share with your group, is what's a specific truth that has been impactful to you. And ladies, don't be shy as you share that truth with each other. And if someone else has already shared it, share it again through your story and through your words. I just encourage you not to say ditto what so-and-so said, but share it through your story because it has an impact through your story. I was talking to Kimberly yesterday as we were looking at the snow and wondering if there'd be Bible study today and if we'd be sending an email out this morning canceling or not. And she suggested I go through the study and just write 10 things that impacted me. And I did that exercise and it was a wonderful way to review the study. And I'm gonna just highlight those with you quickly. Kind of, I kept thinking of kind of like Dave's, um, what's his name, the late night, Dave Letterman's top ten, but mine aren't funny. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I wish these were funny. But <laughs> ten truths from the study that I that I that I um, that were memorable for me. 
as I shared already, hearing God starts with our commitment to humble obedience. And we need to ask ourselves, do I really desire to hear the Father's purposes for me and submit to his plans? Or do I mainly desire to pursue my own purposes, hoping for his blessings upon them? Such a good question to consider. And that came from the study, page 9. The second thing I learned is that God has been revealing himself in every age. I love that Alyssa started us off in the garden. We were made for intimacy with him. We were made for relationship. And he's continued pursuing us and given us first the person of Jesus to be in relationship with, and then after Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside each of us. We each have access to God 24-7 within us. The third thing that I learned is scripture is the primary way God continues to speak. And when we hear something, if we hear something from other sources, scripture is the way to verify what we hear to make sure that it aligns with God, what God is saying and who he is. The fourth thing is hearing God is primarily about relationship. I just talked about that. He wants us to know him. He wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to enjoy him. You know, that garden experience, he created beauty. He created freedom. He created fruit. He created this incredible atmosphere, environment for Adam and Eve just to dwell with him. It wasn't so that he could boss them around or tell them what to do or that they could be productive. He created them for intimate relationship. And I think sometimes what happens with us is we get more set on knowing facts about him or receiving or wondering if we're in the right, um, going in the right direction. And those become our focus rather than the relationship. And what he wants us to do is just have relationship with him and not be worried so much about if we're in the right direction or how many facts or figures or information we know about him. God's word, I love this truth. It was on page 109. His words will always continue to carry hope, intimacy, friendship, and reconciliation. And that's one if you pause to consider is such a beautiful truth. Hope, intimacy, friendship, and reconciliation. Are you feeling discouraged? He is the God of hope. Are you feeling lonely? He is the God of intimacy and friendship. Is there a relationship in your life that is disruptive, is broken? He is the God of reconciliation. God is the master architect We can trust him with our life's purposes, our circumstances, and our plans. And we don't have to know all the answers now. That's so freeing to remember that about who he is. The seventh thing is that we can be patient and recognize that waiting, the stage we're in, I know many of you are waiting for something. It's part of the journey. And in the waiting, there is growth occurring within you. You may not visibly see it, and again, you may not be able to measure it, but in that waiting, he is doing something deep inside of you. He wastes nothing. 
and he will move us in the appropriate time. The eighth thing I learned is that the voices of our enemy, our pride, our apathy, and even our egos will always try to circum circumvent God's ways. They will always encourage us to take shortcuts or pursue immediate gratification. They will never encourage us to stay the course, to see our commitment through to the end, or to tap into divine resources along the way. The ninth thing that I learned is that your position, or as Mary refers to it, your posture matters. We are to be expectant. We are to listen actively. We're to be patient. We're to be still. We're to be intentional about being in God's word. And the last thing that God has been showing me through the study is that God will never stop pursuing our hearts because we were made for intimate relationship with him. He says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. That is intimacy. So as we move forward into our next study, I just don't want us to forget where we've been and how this study has impacted us. I think it's been... Um, instrumental in so many of our lives to really listen to God and start to recognize his voice. And on the back of that handout we gave you last week, there's an exercise that we call, that is called Lectio Divina. And I'm not sure how many of you have done that before. Um, I referenced it in one of my talks this fall, and I can't remember the date of that talk, but I talked about it, and I referenced Eugene Peterson who was, you know, if any of you know Eugene Peterson, he's an incredible biblical um, scholar, lover of God, lover of God's word, and he wrote the message, th that version of the Bible. And he wrote a book called Eat This Book, and that is all about Lectio Divina. It's about savoring God's word. It's about spending time in God's word. It's in the richness of it. And this is an ancient practice, Lectio Divina. And so what we wanted to do Sorry, the video. Are we good to go? So in that exercise, Lectio Divina, what we wanted to do is give you a sample of what that looks like and how you can experience that. And I'm going to read, this is an incredible book. Um, it's called The God of Intimacy and in Action. And it's by Tony Campolo and Mary Albert Darling. And what it goes into is it goes into spiritual practices that help you in your relationship with God. And chapter 7 specifically is on Lectio Divina. And she entitled it, on this chapter, Mary Darling wrote this chapter. But she refers to it as becoming God's friend, is the way she refers to Lectio Divina. I'm just going to read a few excerpts out of here. Uh, it's a spiritual practice, and it's one of the best ways we can learn to listen and thereby, thereby develop a deep and dynamic, intimate friendship with Jesus. 
It's meditative and reflective. Lectio, in its truest and broadest sense, has three parts with it. Hearing, reflecting, and responding. It implies a dynamic interplay among God, the reader, and the text. And since the Bible is the living word of God, this holy meditative reading of scripture is all about relationship. With any type of relationship, there is a world of difference between studying about what makes for a good relationship and actually experiencing one. For instance, we can talk about falling in love, but if it happens to us, our words do not begin to describe the experience. Meditating on scripture creates opportunities for us to come to Jesus in more intimate ways than ordinary study ever could. She then shares a quote by Thomas Merton. Says the Christian, <clears throat> excuse me, the Christian is then not simply a man or woman of goodwill who commits himself or herself to a certain set of beliefs or who has definite dogmatic conception of the universe. He or she is not simply one who follows a moral code with a benevolence and strong emphasis on certain rewards and punishments dealt out to the individual. Underlying Christianity is not simply a set of doctrines about God, but in, in contrary to this, um, on the contrary, Christians themselves too often fail to realize that the infinite God is dwelling within them so that he is in them and they are in him. They remain unaware of the presence of the infinite source of being right in the midst of the world with them. God is with us. And what he's pointing to here is John 17, and I love the high priestly prayer where Jesus is praying, may, you be the, may I be in them as you are in me. I mean, it's this wonderful kind of um, rhythmic prayer where he's talking about the intimacy of God is in Jesus, Jesus is in us through the Holy Spirit, may we be in him. It's this oneness, it's an intimacy that is beyond understanding. The author goes on to say, without disparaging scholarship, Lectio Divina adds something crucial to our relationship with God. For instance, when reading a passage of scripture on humility, such as Philippians 2, 1 through 11, during Lectio, we are not so much concerned with analyzing what Paul meant as we are with what God can say to us as we silently meditate and let the Holy Spirit control our reflection on that passage. When we read the Bible for study only, and I know this is ironic that here I am a Bible study teacher and I'm telling you not to read the Bible for study only, but this is an important aspect that we have to remember. When we read the Bible for study only, as Merton said, our Christianity can become too much about a set of beliefs and not enough about the kind of intimacy that leads to real transformation in our lives and in the world. If we know that Christianity is a relationship much more than a religion, why do we often live as if the opposite were true? Many of us continue to live with our system of beliefs about Jesus instead of living with Jesus. Lectio Divina helps us avoid treating the Bible as a rule book that replaces the Holy Spirit who speaks to us in the here and now. When we surrender to the Spirit during Lectio Divina, we get meanings specifically personal and relevant that build our friendship with God. This kind of meditation 
has been steeped in hundreds of years of church tradition and has borne much fruit in people's lives by drawing them into greater friendship and intimacy with God. So ladies, I just want to encourage us to spend time with God, that we're not just learning about him, but we're spending time with him. That we're not just studying about him with our heads, but that we're letting him speak to our hearts and know our hearts. And that we're not just learning about him, but we're trusting his heart and getting to know his heart as we spend time with him. So our next study, as we've shared, is called Living Courageously. It's a study of the book of Joshua. And it's going to be a major shift from this study. This study we've had a lot of, your lessons have been more of a, kind of a mini sermon written in the pages through each day. And it's been an incredible experience of learning from Priscilla Shire, the author. But our next study is going to be different. We're going to shift from having that information given to us to sitting in the passage, to reflecting on it. The actual um, chapter descriptions in our next study are savor, reflect, engage. Those are all words that you would use as if you were taking in a good meal. Again, you see that metaphor of eating, and it goes back to what Eugene Peterson said, eat this book. We want you to savor God's word. We want you to enter into the story of Joshua. We want you to take those scriptures and meditate on them. Don't engage just with your head, but engage with your heart and allow the spirit to speak to you and allow yourself to get to know God through those scriptures. And it's going to be a shift. So I just want you all to be forewarned that you may struggle at first with this new study because we are going back to a different format that's requiring more of you of being an active participant and being in that relationship. With that, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this journey that we've been on. This has been such a challenging, rich, and impactful study. And we thank you for that, because we know that the heart of all of it, Lord, is relationship with you. The reality of, of Christianity is relationship with you. And we thank you, God, that you, the author, the perfecter, the creator, the almighty, the divine, the alpha, the omega, the master architect, that you, O oh Lord, have chosen to be in relationship with us and that you delight in us. You created us to be with you. Father, forgive us when we turn it into something that it's not, when we just merely want to come to you for directions or we want to just know facts about you or we hide and protect our hearts from you. We pray, Lord, for a deepening of our relationship with you. I pray that for each of these ladies in this room on Tuesday evening and on Thursday morning, Lord, that you will walk us into a new understanding of intimacy and relationship, of knowing who you are and your incredible love for us, and that you are a good, good father who we can trust.
In Jesus' precious name, amen.